Good morning. Today we continue our series of lessons in the final countdown, starting with Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. This lesson is entitled, The Beast from Out of the Sea. The Beast from Out of the Sea. I want to start immediately with the reading of God's Word. I'm going to ask you to pay very close attention to His Word and what is revealed in this lesson. It can be a little complicated. Beginning in verse 13. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and the mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. Again, this is three and a half years. We talked about this last Sunday. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe people, language, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whosoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. You know, as we studied the book of Revelation, we have met the Antichrist. We try to consider what the Bible says about this coming world ruler who's called the man of sin or the son of perdition. The Antichrist gives us an opportunity to see how Satan operates. You know, the devil is an imitator. He takes what God does and he tries to duplicate it. You see, Jesus, the real Christ, is a revelation of God the Father. In John 1, there are three verses that are worthy of note. John 1, 1, 14, and 18. These verses teach us the truth that Jesus is a living, breathing revelation of God the Father. Verse 18, the word declared translates the Greek word which gives us our English word exegesis. That word means to narrate, to explain, to lead out, to draw out. It speaks of an explanation or narration. See, in preaching we use exegesis to lead out and explain the truths contained in the text. When Jesus came, he came to explain, to lead out, to narrate God. In other words, Jesus Christ was and is God in the flesh. He was able to say, 
I and my Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 30. He was also able to say, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. John 14, 9. Jesus is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. So when God sent his son to die on the cross, God himself also died on the cross because the two are one. The three are one. That is the depth of his love. You see, in the Antichrist, Satan attempts to duplicate this relationship that exists between Jesus Christ and God the Father. The Antichrist will be a living, breathing revelation of the devil. He will be the devil incarnate. He will be the devil in the flesh. We know that our God is a triune being. He is one God who manifests himself in the persons. He is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. All three are one God, yet each is an individual person. They come together to make up the Holy Trinity. That can be a difficult concept to understand sometimes. You may have to spend some time with it. In Revelation 12 and 13, we're introduced to the Satanic Trinity. Satan imitates God the Father. The Antichrist imitates God the Son. The false prophet, who, who we will meet later in our next study, imitates God the Holy Spirit. So let's give our attention once again to this man who will be known as the Antichrist. These verses give us some important details concerning his mission, his methods, and his miracles. Let's consider these first 10 verses of Revelation 13 and talk about the beast from out of the sea. Let's look at the appearance of the beast and how he originates. As John stands on a seashore, a mysterious beast rises from out of the sea. This is a symbolic language. The word sea in the Bible represents the masses of humanity. This individual will come from among men. In other words, while he may possess power that surpasses all the other great rulers, he will be nothing more than a man. The Antichrist will be empowered by Satan and he will wield tremendous power and authority. But unlike Jesus Christ, he will have a human mother and father. He will not be a God-man like Jesus. He will be a man who receives his kingdom and his power from Satan himself. Where will he come from and what will be his nationality? No one knows. You know, according to the Bible, we see right at this very minute that the Ten Nation Confederacy will be led that resembles the revived Roman Empire. Therefore, the person may be European by birth, we don't know. Of course, Daniel 11:37 tells us that he will not regard the God of his fathers. This verse also leads many to speculate that he could be Jewish by birth. The fact is, no one knows, and anyone who claims to know is way off base. They don't. Let's look at how he operates. The verses give us a little insight into this man that's called the Antichrist. The symbolic language tells us something about the kind of man he is and also something about the nature of the kingdom he will rule. Number one, has seven heads. The explanation for this is given in Revelation chapter 17 verse 9. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. 
Revelation 17 is a passage about the great harlot or the apostate church that will dominate world religion during the tribulation period. We are told the harlot sits on seven hills. There is only one city in the world that is built on seven hills, and that's the city of Rome. Number two, there are ten horns. Horns and horns have always been a symbol of power and authority. Again, these horns are explained in Revelation chapter 17, verse 12. We're told that the ten horns are ten kings. Number three, ten crowns. These ten kings have great authority and power. The Antichrist will rise from among this confederation of ten powerful kings. Number four, the names of blasphemy. These world leaders will stand in open defiance of all that is holy or that has to do with God. You know, just a sidebar here, there are many that believe that what we're seeing is a revival of the ancient Roman Empire. You see, the Roman Empire was never really defeated. It just kind of dissolved into separate kingdoms. There have been many attempts to revive it down through the centuries. Charlemagne, Napoleon, Hitler, they all tried, but they all failed. Apparently, the Roman Empire will be revived again, and the Antichrist will dominate this confederation of nations. Now, we're already seeing this process come to pass in the EU, or the European Union. This union was comprised originally of 25 European nations, with five more who are candidates for admission. The land area occupied by these nations covers much of the land area that was occupied by the old Roman Empire. I think we will see that this body produces the Antichrist and provides the ten kings who will rule the world at the beginning of the tribulation period. Now, to understand the description giving of the, given of the beast in these verses, you have to go back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 3 through 8. Remember, I always tell you, the Old Testament is always pointing forward, always pointing forward to the New Testament, always pointing forward to Christ. In Daniel's vision, he describes the great world empires that will follow one after another until the end of the world. So Daniel speaks of a lion in verse 4. This beast pictures the Babylonian Empire. Like a lion, ancient Babylon was powerful, fearsome, and had a ravenous appetite for domination. Look at your history. The word bear in verse 5 speaks of the Medo-Persian Empire. Like a bear, it possessed an incredible power to crush its enemies. The leopard, in verse 6, speaks of the Greek Empire. It is called a leopard because the Greeks were quick to dominate the world. The fourth beast, in verse 7, is the Roman Empire. With teeth of iron, they dominated the ancient world. Now here the Bible is teaching us that the Antichrist will possess the power and the personality of all these ancient empires. He will combine all their strengths and possess none of their weaknesses. He'll have body like a leopard. His rise to power is going to be swift. He'll have feet like a bear. He will crush his opponents. He'll have a mouth like a lion. Like a lion, he will devour all who dare stand in his way. He's called a beast. The word beast refers to a wild animal. It's used as a metaphor of a man who is brutal, savage, and ferocious. 
like a wild animal, the Antichrist, will attack the kingdoms of the world, and he will destroy all who get in his path. He will be a fearsome, powerful man. Let's look at how he officiates. We're told that the Antichrist rules the world, but not by his own power. He's Satan's superman. He's energized by the dark prince. We're told that Satan gives him three things. One, his power. This word refers to strength, power, and ability. Two, his seat. This is his throne. He rules because Satan has given him dominion. Three, great authority. This word refers to the ability to do as one pleases. The Antichrist will do as he pleases on this earth for a time, and no one will be able to stop him. The Antichrist will accept the offer Jesus refused in Matthew 4. When Jesus was on the Mount of Temptation, Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if Jesus would bow down and worship the devil. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Jesus refused Satan's ridiculous offer. It appears, however, that the Antichrist will accept, and the Antichrist will rule the world. Satan will control this future world leader. Now, there's an interesting parallel that I want to point out to you today. The human heart was made to be occupied. When you're lost, the heart is occupied and controlled by Satan. When a person is saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart and assumes control of your life. If you never receive Jesus as your Savior, then Satan is your Lord and your Master. Let's look at the achievements of the beast. In verse 3, it says he receives the world's wonder. At some point during the Antichrist's reign, he will die. It may be an assassination or some other type of upheaval, but he will be killed. As the world watches and mourns the death of this very popular man, a miraculous thing happens. This man comes back from the dead. He experiences a resurrection. Remember, I told you that Satan is an imitator. In this verse, we're told that Satan seeks to duplicate the resurrection. God's son died on the cross and rose from the dead, and the world, for the most part, ignores him. This man will die and rise again, and the world will wander after him. He has the world right where he wants it, eating out of the palm of his hand. Let's look at verse 4. He receives the world's worship. Whether this resurrection is real or just a bit of satanic sleight of hand, we don't really know. Yet the citizens of the world will be taken in. They will be so caught up in the power, the glory, and wonder of the Antichrist that they will actually give him their worship. The world will bow down before this hellish king and give him what they have steadfastly refused to give God. Just as God receives the worship of man through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan will receive the worship of men through the Antichrist. He will be getting finally what he's always wanted. Men will worship the beast and the devil. This is such a tragedy. While heaven rejoices over the fact that Satan has been cast out of heaven, which we covered in our last study, the earth dwellers will give their worship to the devil. You know, the world will declare the Antichrist to be undefeatable. What they fail to understand is that there will come a day when the Antichrist will be defeated and cast into hell. Look at Revelation 19, 20, and 20, chapter 20, verse 10. Yes, Jesus Christ 
will be able to defeat the devil Superman with no problem. But may I also point out the truth that God's people living during the tribulation can defeat him as well. Look at chapter 12, verse 11 of Revelation. Satan has power and the Antichrist will have power, but they will face he who has all power. He will defeat them, destroy them, and judge them. Let's look at the activities of this beast. You see, the Antichrist will use his newfound power over men to further Satan's agenda. These verses tell us what kind of man the Antichrist will be. Verses 5 through 6, it says that he defies God. The Antichrist will be a man of great speaking ability. He'll be a great orator. He will be able to move the masses with the power of his tongue. If you've ever seen films of Adolf Hitler, you've seen a man who understood the power of the tongue. By his words, he stirred up a nation and convinced them that they could rule the world, and they just about did. He convinced the German people that they were superior to all others. Hitler's words brought about unbelievable suffering and innumerable deaths, and Hitler once said, you say something loud enough and loud enough, and people will eventually believe you. Wow. So when the Antichrist comes, his power with words will make Hitler seem like a babbling idiot. He will galvanize the nations of the world with the power of his words. He will speak of great things and they will believe him. He will speak blasphemy against the God of heaven and they will worship him. He will use his words to attack everything that has to do with God and the world will hang on every word. He will do everything in his power to turn humanity against God. He will even declare himself to be God. He destroys the saints. The Antichrist is going to make it his mission to seek out and destroy anyone who still worships God. Now, there will be people saved during the tribulation. These people will become the focus of the Antichrist's intense hatred of God. He won't be able to defeat the 144,000 Jewish preachers as they travel the world preaching the glory of the gospel of the kingdom. He won't be able to defeat the two witnesses who stand in Jerusalem and preach the gospel of the kingdom. He will not be able to stop them until their time is finished and then he will be allowed to kill them too. But anyone else on this earth who refuses to bow to him in worship will be put to a martyr's death. In verse 7 it says he dominates the nations. The Antichrist will rule the world. Every nation will come under his power and his domination. He will be the ultimate world ruler. He will be the king of the world. He will deceive the masses. You know, this verse is crystal clear in verse 8. Every person who is not saved by God's grace will eventually bow in worship of Satan and his superman. Can you believe that? And notice that these worshipers are called all that dwell upon the earth. The word dwell means to settle down. This phrase refers to people who have chosen to make this world their home. They, haven't, they have decided that they aren't interested in heaven or in anything that God can offer them. 
They have staked all their hope and future in this world, and God abandons them to their choice. See, they want the world, and he lets them have it, with all the consequences that come with such a terrible decision. You know, these earth dwellers have refused God and his Messiah, and they have chosen Satan and his false Messiah. So God gives them up and lets them go after the world and the God that they've chosen. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. God gives them over to their desire. Let me ask you a question this morning. Which world have you chosen? The Lord will allow you to have the Christ you want. You can have the Lord Jesus Christ if you'll receive him. If not, you may live in this world long enough to worship the Antichrist and to reap what you have sown and your heart's desire. So where is your heart this morning? Is it with Jesus or is it with the Antichrist? Is it to live in heaven forever, be with God, or to be thrown into the lake of fire? Where's your heart today? Is it in that new car that you have outside? There's nothing wrong with a new car. I like cars too. I love cars, in fact. But is, it, is your heart with your car? Is your heart with your bank account? Where is your heart today? Is your heart with Jesus? I mean, think about it. If you, go, if you were to die right now today, where's your heart? It's a good question, I think. I hope my heart's with Jesus. I hope my heart's with God. That's where I hope I'm to be found. So, the final two verses of our text have a special meaning for us today. Verse 9 says, If any man have an ear, let him hear. Do you recognize that statement? We've seen statements like that many times in this book. Let me just refresh your memory. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, 11, 17, 29, chapter 3, verse 6, 13, 22, if you go and read these verses, you will find that they say, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You see what's missing? There are two things missing here, the Spirit and the churches. Both the Spirit and the church were removed from the world at the rapture. The age of grace has ended, and the world is in the grip, the grip of this great tribulation. When God speaks here, He doesn't warn His people. He warns the earth dwellers, but it's too late for them to repent. They're locked into their choice and they will worship the beast and they will die and go to hell. You know, what I found amazing through this entire book as we have studied it is that even though God is reaping and is pouring out his judgment on a lost and dying world, he's still in the business of saving souls. You know, verse 10 drives another point home. If the whole point of verse 10 is that people reap what they sow. You can see that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. If you live for the devil, you're going to reap the devil. If you reject Jesus, you'll be rejected by Jesus. The time to make a choice is today. Not tomorrow. Today. Because I promise you, my brothers and sisters, there will come a day when it will be too late. Does anyone know when that day will be? No. 
Now we have a countdown indicator on our on our website, but it's just there for appearance only to remind people of the final countdown and what's happening. No one knows when the day will be. No one knows but the Lord. God is the only one that knows, not even the Son. It could be today, it could be tonight, it could be tomorrow. There will come a day when God will stop calling you and He will abandon you to your choice. If you're not saved, I'm going to ask you to please come to Jesus today. You know, if you are saved, verse 10 has a word of hope. The patience and faith of the saints is the knowledge that in the end, Satan and the Antichrist will be defeated. And that day, God and his righteousness will reign. So the main thing today for every person, and the sound of my voice, whether you're in the Congo, or you're in Egypt, or you're in Russia, or you're in China, or you're in Alabama, or you're in Tennessee, or you're in Alaska, the question is, are you sure which world you're hooked into? Are you an earth dweller? Are all your hopes and dreams locked up in this world? Or are you a citizen of heaven? I mean, it's, a, it's truly, as we say in the world of technology, it's a binary, binary decision. It's a binary question. It's a bit's either on or it's off. It's on or it's off. So are your hopes and dreams locked up in this world or are you a citizen of heaven, on or off? Have you received Jesus as your Savior? On or off? It's yes or no. If so, you won't face the Antichrist or the horrors of the tribulation. But what if you haven't accepted Jesus? Then you will most surely face the Antichrist and the horrors of the tribulation. So do you know where you're going? Would you like to be saved? I pray if God has spoken to your heart today, mind him. You don't need me standing over you. You can drop to your knees right in front of your radio or your TV or wherever you're at. Drop down on your knees and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And that's it. Mean it. Pour out your sins to him. Repent of your sins. Would you bow with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together to study your word, O oh God. We thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us. Father, I feel that some have made a decision today. Father, I thank you for that. For those that remain, O oh God, I ask that you continue to speak to their hearts so none of them ever have to face the Antichrist, the horrors of the tribulation. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the love that you have for us. It's in your son, Jesus' name that we pray today, O oh God. Amen. I thank you for listening today. If any of you made a decision, I would like to know about it. Um, please send an email to ministry at christ-lives.org or visit our website, www.christ-lives.org and visit our contact page and leave us a message. I appreciate the messages and the prayers that, that are coming in. I appreciate those of you that have made known your, your wish to accept Christ and those that have asked for prayer. Be rest assured, your name is in my prayer book right now. Thank you again for listening today. And may God bless you and keep you. Amen.